When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar, along with former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels. Sage, how are you this morning? I'm doing just fine. Another fun week of Sunday action with our three or four overtime games yesterday. It was quite the uh, the wild uh, Sunday of football. And you and I were lucky enough to watch Bills, Packers, and Bears, and Bucks were the games that we got here. As I'm seeing the ticker go by telling me about all the other great games in the league, we got the two worst. <laughs> Yeah, those are, those are probably, actually those were absolutely the two worst games to watch yesterday. Unless you're a Bears fan and you've been wondering about Mitchell Trubisky, then you're extremely happy. He sort of had his breakout game. And, uh, you know, the Bears are, I, I, I'm guessing the Bears are in first place in the NFC North. Yeah, uh, actually I haven't looked at the standings this morning, but that must be the case. So, uh, let's talk about some of the offense that happened yesterday because it's just madness. I saw a stat that, Joe Montana's career quarterback rating is now the NFL average quarterback rating. I, I was watching the end of the uh, Indianapolis and uh, Houston game, and you see both quarterbacks going crazy, guys going for over 400 yards. We saw it on Thursday night with Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins' performance. What is going on with offense in the NFL? I mean, why all of a sudden has it just been turned up to 11 this year after it seemed to have kind of flattened out a little bit when after everyone was talking about how, you know, the NFL was all passing and then this year it's just gone nuts? Yeah, it really has. And I'm not sure, you know, exactly. I don't think you can put your finger on exactly one thing. And I, I'd like to sort of see the, the statistics as the season goes on and we sort of get to the end of the year, then look back. You know, I always, I always sort of take everything with a grain of salt early in the year. Teams like to throw the ball early when the weather's good, uh, in the, you know, cold climate conditions like Green Bay or Chicago as the year goes on. You know, teams get more conservative, run the football, just hard to, to complete as many passes. I do think this, and, and what, tell me what your thoughts are. You know, in the past with NFL wide receivers, everybody loved, you know, sort of big, stronger guys, guys like T.O., uh, Jerry Rice, mm-hmm. you know, that was sort of your prototypical star receiver. I feel like in the last year, really recent years, but in particular this season, 
we're seeing a lot of guys who are smaller, who, you know, you think would have been a great college player, but maybe wasn't an NFL fit. You know, these guys like Brandon Cooks who with, with the Rams, these extremely fast receivers who it seemed like in the past were just sort of slot guys or, or kickoff and punt returners, but weren't looked at as, you know, legitimate NFL you know, receivers because they were smaller. You know, mm-hmm. they couldn't get off the bump and they get jammed at the line. It seems like a lot of teams and the Rams have you know, sort of three of those guys. They're all really fast guys, uh, Woods and Cup and and Brandon Cooks, just just burners. And uh, and I think you know it seems like a lot of teams have those types of guys. I'm not necessarily always going after the the Julio Joneses of the world. A lot of teams have these super fast guys, and maybe that's part of the reason. That there's, uh, you know, plus all the rules of protecting the quarterback, all the rules on defense where they can't basically touch anybody after uh, five yards. And they, you know, they throw these penalties all the time. I'm wondering if this sort of combination uh, is creating all this offense. Definitely with you on that. I mean, especially with wide receivers going over the middle, because even when I was growing up, if you went over the middle, they would talk about you on the broadcast all day long as being such a tough receiver and all that. And now everybody's allowed to go over the middle because safeties can't launch themselves Steve Atwater and John Lynch would have just been kicked right out of the league right I mean that's got to be one factor I think that also to your point it's that a lot of the receivers have become technicians I mean I, I think that you know you grow up in the game with so much more information so much more coaching that a lot of them get to the top level and they understand the game really well they understand route running really well and it's not just you're a pure athlete I, the quality of the receivers go into it the quarterbacks not really having to worry about getting decked goes into it I mean I, I like going back and watching the old games and I could tell you Joe Montana got his ass kicked on a weekly basis and that guy would just get up and get up and get up who's getting their ass kicked anymore for quarterbacks it just doesn't happen yeah we saw a hit yesterday uh with with, uh, with Baker Mayfield he just sort of I mean I, I, you could say the guy used his helmet uh, but it wasn't that hard for the Raiders and boom, 15 yard penalty. They're going like, Hey, he's a rookie. Like he's got to get hit some. He's got to earn that respect. Right. You know, I, I don't like it called on Brady or Rogers, but man, at least those guys have been around and earned it and been MVPs. This kid needs to take some hits, you know, as, as the young guy. I do think you're correct on all that stuff over the middle. I mean, that, that used to be treacherous, uh, territory. And I think a lot of these guys are, uh, you know, not as concerned about, you know, literally getting their head taken off like, like they were in the past. They're, they're protected. So not that it doesn't happen, but, uh, it's less likely. So yeah, there's a, there's a combination here going on. Oh, the, the last thing that you thought was a great point. I think quarterbacks now and receivers from an earlier age, and I do this stuff. I'm part of this group called the quarterback collective and Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan are sort of spearheading this group of, uh, of NFL coaches and, and former guys like myself. You know, Kirk Cousins and I talked about it uh, uh, a few weeks ago after the game that, you know, there's we're, we're training these these high school quarterbacks to be pro quarterbacks, understand coverages, uh, you know, taking all these snaps from center, the, the, the play action stuff that most high schools don't do. And I, at the same point, wide receivers are doing it. I, I, I don't know if you remember the name Chris Chambers. Oh, of course. But he was a he was a teammate of mine with the Miami Dolphins, a, a Wisconsin Badger. Uh, he lives still down in Miami. And he runs this, I think it's called like the Chambers Academy or something. And he trains all these high school and college kids in the off season. And I see some of that stuff on my Instagram and it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's, you know, great route running and precision and, and all this fine detail that, you know, kids never got in the past. So I think there is this combination going here. Uh, people are more prepared, you know, the, 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 the throwing and the catching aspect of football. 
is one of those things you can start at an early age. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that's just getting better and better, uh, you know, because of that as well. And the other thing, too, in my mind is that when someone like Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan comes along and they have offensive innovations, I think it's really easy now to have all the tape at your fingertips from several different angles, all the analytics. Pro Football Focus works with every single team, so there's data on all these things, what works, down in distances, and and all sorts of different stuff, different coverages, where pressure comes from, on how many percentages. If you wanted that information back in the day, you had to have somebody in a room who was watching it or or pay somebody to do it, and now it's just at your fingertips. I, I think all these things kind of play into it and then maybe the other thing sage is uh last year we saw a bunch of good quarterbacks get hurt and this year we add baker mayfield to the mix who looks like he could be a very very good quarterback we add more talent to the mix and now if you go through i mean there's probably 25 teams that have at least competent good quarterbacks that are out there i mean i don't think that there's ever been a time in the league where i could say there were more than a dozen and now it seems like I'm watching Deshaun Watson go up against Andrew Luck and, you know, you're just seeing all these really good matchups because there's just great quarterback talent now in the league. Yeah. And guys that weren't always great quarterbacks in the past are having good years this year. I think I saw a stat. I think Andy Dalton might have the most touchdown passes of anybody over the course of like the last 16 or 20 games going back to last year. I mean, you Hmm. would never think that, but there's guys putting up big numbers all over the place. And, and, you know, some guys uh, like Kirk Cousins, like Ben Roethlisberger are putting up record numbers right now. And it's not a good thing because they're behind and they're trying to catch up and try to keep up with other offenses. And, you know, that, that might be an issue with the Vikings right now is they're, they're throwing the ball a lot, putting up a lot of stats, but of winning football, uh, you know, they're not playing winning football. They're not controlling the clock. They're not running the ball very well or very much. Uh, and I think that's hurting their defense as well. Well, that's a good point because last year Case Keenum was not throwing for 400 yards a game and major part because they were playing from ahead because their defense was so good. So let's talk about that a bit because you had a chance to look at some of the All-22 film and uh, give me your observation about the first half defense where it especially seemed like uh, the Rams could do no wrong. Yeah, you know, what I saw early on is, you know, for the most part, you'd say the Vikings played pretty good defense. You watch as a whole about 90% of the plays, nine out of 10, you're like, all right, it's pretty good defense, pretty good coverage. Uh, you know, they, they, maybe they completed a ball, but it was for a shorter gain or, or they ran the ball for four or five yards, but they did a decent job defensively. But then there'd be a, this, you know, major breakdown. You know, there was a, I believe like a third and four early in the game. Xavier Rhodes gets a, a holding penalty that was, uh, you know, otherwise it would have been a punt. Later on that drive, you get another penalty. Otherwise, it would have been a punt. Uh, you know, so, you know, you, you, when you're going against a really good team, you know, like the Rams, you basically have to play perfect. And as soon as you, you know, make a little mistake there, uh, you know, they really capitalize on it and they did that ball game. There's no reason for this Vikings defense, no matter who they're playing, to give up, you know, 28 points uh, in the first half. But, you know, again, all those factors that you and I were just talking about is, you know, offenses and passing games had an advantage. Uh, you know, the Rams took, uh, you know, they, they took advantage of all those, uh, of all those things. And so, uh, there was the, you know, the, the long play, uh, the long play action play where Cooper Cup, I was about a 70 yarder. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that was a huge play or, you know, early in the football game. Mackenzie Alexander's straight man to man coverage just lets him go, completely lets him go. 
And I'm not sure if he thought it was a bootleg coming back at him and that the receiver was going to go in and come back out. He didn't. He went in and stayed in and sort of ran a wheel route from the other side and um, you know makes you know uh, Anthony Barr look really bad because he's the one chasing him. It was not Anthony Barr's fault. So there was just it seemed like a breakdown, uh, you know, defensively about once every you know six to ten plays. And you know if you're going to be a really really good defense, you sort of have to play perfect all the time. Uh, you know the matchups were uh, you know challenging already. Uh, with this Rams offense, so you can't make mistakes. And, and Xavier got called for you know two or three really simple holding penalties, and, and they were all legit holding penalties. He has hands all over him. He's tugging on him. Uh, you know, just not p- good plays by him, who's you know really supposed to be the, the Vikings' best defensive player. And I think that Brandon Cooks is a really tough matchup for him because he's small and he's fast. And I was kind of surprised that maybe they just didn't use him how they would if he wasn't like a shadow corner or if they, you know, maybe put him on cup, who's a little bigger or woods, who's a little bigger. I I thought that was kind of a tough one for him. One of the tougher ones kind of remind me of when he went against uh, Marvin Jones uh, with the lions, where it just didn't seem like that was the guy that he really should have been on. Um, You know, you're, you're right now that you say that. And I was sort of thinking about this during the game as, you know, as they lined everybody up, uh, you had McKenzie on cup. Uh, you had Woods being guarded by Waynes and you had Xavier, uh, on Brandon Cooks that when it was man to man, that's who they all sort of went, you know, they, the, the Vikings aren't one of those teams that sort of play left and right corners and man, they, they truly have an individual matchup. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, despite Xavier's a good corner, but he's really good against other bigger, you know, uh, uh, wide receivers guys. He can sort of body up. He's a big, strong guy. I mean, he almost has the body of a safety, mm-hmm. uh, which is why he's a good physical corner. But they, the guys that are super quick, if he doesn't get his hands on him, you know, that is his weakness. He doesn't have that much speed to catch up with guys. Of course, almost nobody does in the NFL. Brandon Cooks is a special talent with his speed, but uh, he just did not have enough. Uh, enough juice, uh, you know, to, to keep up with Cooks, and and that was a matchup that the Rams exploited. And you mentioned Alexander. It seems like once a game, other teams are getting some big gain because something has gone wrong there. I mean, the Jimmy Graham at the end of the first half getting a 28-yard gain to allow the uh, Packers to score at the end of the first half. I mean, this sort of stuff has happened to him uh, almost every single week. It seems to me, Sage, that they're just, they are really missing Terrence Newman. As, as old as the guy was, he was really good, but also really good at knowing the game, really good at communicating. And it didn't seem like he would make too many mistakes because he was one of the smartest players on the field. And that's kind of the name of the game if you're going to succeed on, on defense now. Yeah. And, 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 you know, what Zimmer's looking for is consistency. And, and I think that's one of the things that Newman was. He was consistent. He didn't always make the play, but he was consistently right there. Uh, you know, he had so much knowledge of the game. He understood, you know, uh, offensive concepts and what offensive teams tried to do versus whatever coverage that the Vikings would be in. So then, you know, he could anticipate, he could break on balls. He could, you know, he could make the tackle, break up the ball. Uh, but it seems like we got some couple guys out there in that third spot, uh, who are, you know, just trying to make plays, uh, you know, Hughes and, and Alexander, and, and they're just not consistent with that. And that, you know, that takes a lot of time, but, uh, you know, those guys have to step it up you know, with so many teams playing with three wide receivers now uh, and also tight ends that are uh, extremely athletic and pass catchers. You have to have three corners that all can play and you have to consistently play at a high level, uh, you know, throughout an entire football game. And it just seems like right now the Vikings just have an occasional slip up, an occasional uh, bust and ends up, you know, and it has cost them 
basically each and every time they make a mistake. Do you think at some point we're going to see almost every team playing dime out there for the most part, maybe aside from first downs, but maybe even first downs? I mean, it, it seems to me like the running game is only there to set up play action for a lot of teams with all the throwing that they're doing. And the Patriots do some of this where they've got six DBs out there at, at one time. I wonder if that's an adjustment that they make is maybe getting a, a linebacker off the field sometimes. Yeah, that might be a situation. I mean, the Vikings do a pretty good job at stopping the run. I, I can't say they're, they're great. It does seem like there's a lot of four to five, six yard runs out there. Uh, Gurley had some nice runs in this in this football game, but you know sometimes it's okay to be bled to death a little bit and just give up those five yard runs mm-hmm. uh, because now the pass is so important. So that might be a situation to look at. You know the one issue is you know the Vikings. We, we the, you know there's been conversation with Ioka, Ilo, is it Iloka? Iloka, Iloka yes. You know pl- playing more, but you know he seems to be more of a uh, almost a linebacker type uh, and less of a you know guy who can really really cover you know, like a true safety. So mm-hmm. it's, it's hard to have a safety type player covering wide receivers. You know, do we go more of that, that three safety look, uh, and, you know, either way, the Vikings defense, which was a strength before, uh, it seems it was definitely a weakness in this last football game. And, you know, that's a problem is, you know, the Vikings offense doing a lot of really good things, putting up a lot of yards, you know, putting up some points, but, uh, you know, said last year, they were always playing from ahead and this year, you know, from fairly early on, they're playing from behind. Yeah, and uh, we saw Kirk Cousins respond pretty well in that game, putting up 31 points, fumbles at the end, and there's something that I wanted to ask you about with that, because after the game, we go in, we ask Kirk Cousins, okay, what ha- what's going on with the fumbles, what happened on that play, and his response was, you tell me, man, and I, you know, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, even going back to April, you know, when they first get Kirk Cousins and some of the things that were said in DC and how they might carry over. Because I, I acknowledge that if you're in a place that you don't love or doesn't love you, it might change when, when you leave and go somewhere else where you get $84 million and you're the franchise guy. But, uh, I, I thought that was kind of typical of how he has been in post-game press conferences or in even just press conferences in general, where sometimes he will kind of, take some like mild shots at people and things like that. And, and I wondered if that rubbed people the wrong way and what your experience was with handling a post-game press conference and whether that reverberates in the locker room or not. Yeah. Well, I think that everything that the quarterback says is, is huge in the locker room of, you know, gain the respect uh, and, you know, sort of dishing out praise to your teammates and accepting blame. So I, I didn't love how he answered that question. And listen, I'm a big Kirk Cousins fan. I think he's very, you know, very, very much a team guy. Now he's an absolute perfectionist, which I do like as a quarterback. You know, I, I always remember when I would have certain games you'd go through and even if I played really well, you look back and you go, okay, on this play, man, I could have done that on this play. I could have done that. I remember missing this throw. Uh, I could have, you know, audibled here. You, you sort of look at all your mistakes and, and he, you know, he has almost a photographic memory of how hard he is on himself. But you know, th- yeah, that question, I didn't love you know, that answer. Uh, of course, when you just played the game, you don't know what happened a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You know, you're listening. They're they're not when you're out in the field. You're not watching all the replays, and and even if after the you come off the field and they show the replay in the stadium, a lot of times you're not looking at it. You know, he obviously was upset. They basically you know lost in the game there at the end and sort of ended the game there. But uh, you know, one one tip that I was given in college, I did an internship in Des Moines, Iowa, when I was at Iowa State, and. Uh, I sort of interned for the CEO of this big company, and and he said, you know, when you're talking, 
uh, at press conferences or about your team. This is, you know, going into my senior year at Iowa State, he goes, always use the word we at mm-hmm. all times. Always use the word we. Never say they. Uh, don't use I unless you're basically blaming yourself. Always use the word we. And and that's something I always you know, tried to do, you know, throughout my college and NFL career after that is, you know, we're in this thing together and football is the ultimate team sport. And, you know, my guess is that at that point there, Cousins was, one, he's frustrated, and two, he probably didn't know what was going on. You know, we're sitting there going like, oh, man, he could have stepped up in the pocket. Mm -hmm. He should have stepped up in the pocket. Uh, At the end of the day, he's just not a guy like Aaron Rodgers who just floats around that pocket like Muhammad Ali. It's just (laughs) not the way he is. Uh, It's it's definitely something he needs to probably work on, uh, you know, during practice or whatever. There were times in that game he could have stepped in the pocket, and there was definitely times there was nothing there. I mean, it's hard to say, hey, step up in the pocket. That's where uh, Sue and Errol Donald are, are you know, trying to come after you to get pushed on the inside. Uh, it's hard to mentally think that step into those guys. But obviously on that play, uh, he could have stepped up. Yeah, and I, it's one of those things where from my standpoint, I want to acknowledge how well he played because he, there wasn't a whole lot more he could have done in that game. And he was under siege the whole time. I mean, I thought the offensive line tried as hard as they possibly could have. And Riley Reef actually was a warrior in that game. And that, that's, I guess, what I would have liked to have seen him say is, look, that, that play is going to make Riley look bad, but he was a warrior. He went out there and played with a foot injury and he only gave up a couple pressures the whole night. It was really, you know, the interior facing Donald and, and Sue that, that got them. But I guess I, what I, would have thought it was that Cousins would have given some credit to Reef for playing the way that he did, playing hurt. We weren't sure if he was even going to play, and and instead he just kind of threw it back at the reporter, and that's never really going to sit well, even if you smile while you're doing it. Uh, did you ever run into issues where you said something in a post game, and then teammates came up to you and, and and said something about it, or did you see that, or was it mostly just guys didn't really care what got said in post game press conferences? No, I don't think so. And I, I think in this situation, uh, and I'm sure some of the players probably saw what he said, but I don't think they made much of a big deal out of it. I mean, you know, you're after the game, you're a bit chippy, you're upset, you lost. You know, the Vikings have lost a couple in a row now. And, and it's not like he said, Hey, my left tackle, you know, got beat and that's what caused a fumble. I mean, mm-hmm. he just said like, Hey, you tell me, I don't know what happened, you know, on that play. So, you know, it wasn't the best answer, but it could have been a heck of a lot worse. And, and uh, I said, as a quarterback and shoot as a head coach, every word that you say is going to be picked apart Mm -hmm. a lot of times by the media and by the fans. But to be honest with you, players aren't paying attention to that. There's so much going on. You're in the game plan. You're in all these little things, you know, the other players aren't going to nitpick about what, uh, you know, those guys say, unless it's, you know, obviously a a terrible thing. So that I I think the thing is that the Vikings are just, they're counting on cousins to do too much. I know it sounds crazy. Like, Hey, Mm -hmm. he's supposed to be a franchise guy. He's supposed to, we're paying him like a top, you know, 10 quarterback shoot. They're probably paying like a top five quarterback in the league, you know, and, but uh, also he shouldn't be asked to, the, 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 the offensive line shouldn't be asked to block 45, 50 passes a game. The quarterback shouldn't be throwing 45, you know, past the game. Uh, the other guy has got to do their job. The defense has to play better. They, so they can run the football and just play sort of a regular football game. Uh, and right now that's like they're trying to play uh, in this fast break style. And, it, you know, that's not how they won 13 games last year. And they're, they sure as heck ain't going to win 13 games this year, trying to outscore everybody, you know, 45 to 42. Now that, that's a great point because I think we look at the two things as if they don't affect each other, but they definitely do. Offense and defense and, and even the special teams part of it, depending on where your field position is. But offense and defense 
kind of go along together and, and we don't usually look at it that way. And especially some of the numbers that they put up, uh, you mentioned the other day about Drew Brees, some of the times where he had to put up 5,000 yards because his defense was, you know, letting go all sorts of, you know, scores from the other teams. And last year, Brees is fantastic, but he doesn't throw for 5,000 yards because his defense was better. Um, la- last thing for you, Sage. If uh, you were playing with Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen for your whole career, uh, what numbers would you have put up? Because I, I'm watching them the other night, and I've seen you know both of them rise from guys that people didn't know to you know some of the, the best wide receivers in the league. But when you watch them, does your jaw just drop? Well, it just blows me away. You know, listen, I've, I've never been a college scout and or you know scout, pro scout, whatever. It's not something that I really you know paid much attention to. But you know, how did these guys slip through the cracks? And you know, it's understandable with Dylan, you know, going to a much smaller school, uh, and you know, so what we talked about earlier with all the sort of private coaching and private training. My guess is that you know he was just a really good high school athlete who really, really developed. Uh, you know, once he got to the NFL, it seems to be that that sort of the situation. Uh, the Stefan Diggs, how he fell to the fifth round, uh, just baffles me because he is so talented. He is one of those guys, sort of like a Jarvis Lander. He's great after the catch, but he also rises up uh, and plays much bigger than he is. I mean, he's a phenomenal talent. You throw wide receiver screens to him. You can throw, you know, go routes and post routes to him. He's good on deep stuff. Uh, he's great with the underneath stuff. Uh, again, he's, you know, he's tremendous after the catch. It, it does blow me away that these two guys you know, were sort of undrafted and, and lower drafted when, you know, teams are constantly looking, uh, in drafting receivers in the first round. It seems like every year there's about three to six receivers drafting the first round and half of them are good and half of them stink. And, uh, and, and the Vikings obviously found these two gems, uh, you know, lower in the draft. And so, you know, they're very, very lucky because if they didn't have them, you know, that's our issue. You know, we've been talking about with, with Treadwell, some concerns there. He had another drop uh, mm-hmm. in this football game. Did have some nice catches, uh, but had another drop in the game. It was really nice to see Robinson come through uh, with a couple touchdowns. Those are obviously a huge surprise. I think he's a good player, Robinson. I, I mean, I went back and watched some of what he did in, in Washington with Cousins, and I'm actually surprised that San Francisco let him go. Maybe he just wasn't a scheme fit, but he told me that he was also very, very surprised. And uh, their loss, I guess, is the Vikings gain there. Uh, you know, with those two, with Diggs and Thielen, I think one of the things is, Sage, that they push each other too. So they were already talented. And Diggs was a five-star high school guy. So to your point... I mean, maybe it was the injuries or the size. I went back and read like the NFL.com scouting report, and, and a lot of people thought he could only be a slot guy, which is really funny now. But, I mean, a, a five-star recruit coming out of high school, so he clearly had the talent. But Well, and I think that's what we talked about when we started this podcast is there seems to be a, a more of a – a spot and, and, uh, for these guys who aren't, you know, six foot four and 220 pounds. I, you know, that mm-hmm. used to be like the premier, you know, the Andre Johnsons, Julio Jones, uh, you know, those types of guys. Now Josh Gordon, obviously with the Patriots, everyone was looking for those guys. I, I think that teams are going, you know what? It's much easier to find these super explosive guys who are more around six foot, who'd even, you know, five eleven, who are just burners and who can, you know, do, do things after the, uh, the ball is in their hands, you know, jet sweeps and wide receiver screens and, and they're just playmakers and get the ball in their hands. And, and obviously Diggs is, he's a special player when, when that rocks in his hands and, and he can make guys miss and, and, uh, extremely explosive after the catch. Yeah, for sure. He reminds me of, uh, Andre Reed. I grew up watching Andre Reed from Cookstown State and another guy who just, you know, didn't, 
didn't make it on the pure athleticism or size or anything, but being a, a technician and a competitor. Uh, last thing for you, Sage, toughest place you ever played because, uh, you know, Philly, not the easiest place to go into. Yeah, that's true. You know, the Vikings have they have a lot of memories uh, going into Philly from last year. You know, it is nice. They get basically a mini buy. So they have uh, 10 days to prepare. Uh, just also just having like three days or so to you know get your bodies healed up right after the long trip to, to Los Angeles. Uh, and the in the you know Philly just comes off a really really tough, excuse me, tough loss yesterday down in Nashville. That was a really really good football game. Uh, and you know Philly came out with the the L there. So uh, yeah, I, I, Philly's a tough place to play. Definitely one of the tougher places to play. Uh, I played there couple of different times. One, I played there with the vet, the old hmm, school. Yeah. Uh, you know, my first year in Washington, we, when the, the old vet was still there, they said, always leave on your helmet uh, because <laughs> you might get a battery. They, they used to throw batteries at, at some of the players at the, at the old vet. I'm not sure if they do that as much anymore. Uh, but uh, yeah, and I played at, with, when I was with the Giants at the end of my career. We went to uh, to Philadelphia. The field's usually sort of crappy. It gets beat up pretty quickly there. Uh, they do have great fans, super passionate, and, and they love the Regals. And obviously, they're the famed Super Bowl champion. So the Vikings are going to have to play great, uh, you know, to win this football game. They they sort of like this last game. They've got a multitude of wide receivers, not as fast, you know, bigger guys, Alshon Jeffrey and and uh, Aguilar. They're the little bit bigger guys, lankier uh, players. Maybe that's a better matchup for the Vikings than you know, those speedsters that the Rams had. All right. Well, we will connect again to preview that game. And also uh, we will have our journeyman quarterback of the week, as always, on our next episode. So, Sage, great to talk with you again. And thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.